Hi, I'm Donna Tatro, host of Kids Under Construction. This is my second season and I'm so excited about it because parenting is the hardest job you'll ever do and that's without a license or an instruction manual. I'm going to air some of the best pieces of advice from the first season. We'll hear a story from actress Bryce Dallas Howard's documentary, Dads. She shares the story of a Japanese wage earner who became ill and was forced to quit work and become a house husband. He was so ashamed of not providing for his family, he actually thought of suicide. Howard believes the stigma fathers face if they're involved at home is pervasive. Child rearing does not have to be mom-centric. Dads are not just babysitters. I've been a journalist covering families for over a decade and I'm Dr. Phil's parenting expert. But I learned a lot from talking with actor Mark Paul Gossler and his wife, Kat Gossler. They don't apologize for being strict parents. In their house, no is no. I'm a mom, so I'm right in the middle of child rearing. I have so many questions. And so I call on the experts like Dr. Gail Dines and get answers that we all need. Dr. Dines has studied the effects of porn in our world. She gives us the hard and scary facts about this booming business. It's global and worth billions. She has well-researched advice on how to have the porn talk. It's just as important as the sex talk. Her site is culturereframe.org. Dr. Dines warns us about the dangerous world that opens up when kids have a cell phone. And actor Chris Noth seconds that. He tells us how he's handling social media for his son and talks a little bit about his own youth. Our first segment is with actress Bryce Dallas Howard. She is adamant that men are too often stigmatized if they are involved with child rearing. Her documentary, Dads, combats that toxic attitude. This realm of parenting is mom-centric. And mm -hmm. when dads don't get to show their perspective, they're really being squashed. And what I loved about this is all of these different dads and these perspectives that you brought out. And I love the dad in Japan. Talk a little oh, bit about, yeah, talk a little bit about how he became a father and what he had to overcome um, as a parent. Yeah. So Shuichi um, lives in Tokyo and uh, his story is, is really quite amazing. Um, he, uh, was married, was not yet a father, uh, was, a provider. His, his wife worked as well. Um, but he was, he was working over a hundred hours every week. He was pushing himself to the brink and he actually developed, um, a disease that prevented him from being able to continue to work. He was just in too much pain and he was completely incapacitated. And his wife said, that's okay. Like it's, it's okay. If you can't work, like you can, you can stay at home and I can provide for us. And just that notion, you know, of being a man who's, uh, and this is the terminology that, that, that I've, um, learned is, uh, is kind of uniquely Japanese as opposed to, uh, the terminology that we use here in the States, but a house husband. And, um, and the, the notion of being a house husband was so stigmatized that, that he considered suicide. Wow. And that's insane Yeah. that if a man cannot provide because he's going through an illness that he thinks he's of no use, 
that there's not a purpose in his life. Like that is absolutely absurd, especially because he had the support of a partner, but this is cultural, you know, and it's heavy. And so he embarked on being a house husband. And when he first would go grocery shopping, um, he would dress up in a suit when he would go grocery shopping so that people would think, oh, he was actually going to work. He was just doing a little errand, you know, before work. And there was so much shame around that. And um, after many years, he he recovered and his doctor asked him, what do you want to do now? And he said, I want to become a dad. And he took two years to convince his wife. <laughs> I know that was awesome. Like, Why would you do that? Why? We don't need kids. We're good. Right. And he, I went on a mission to really convince her to show that a, a man is capable of everything other than the birth and lactation. <laughs> Uh, and everything other than that, a man is just as capable as a woman. And, uh, especially when a woman is healing, they're more capable. And so, uh, yes. and so that was just a beautiful story because he, you know, in becoming a father, he really connected with his, you know, greatest dream in life and that coming to fruition and they have a beautiful relationship and he's really empowered so many individuals and men in his community to be engaged parents, you know, to take the paternity leave that's offered to you, to, to not assume that it's a woman's work. And, um, and it's so inspiring. He's so like, what a beautiful human being, right? Just incredible. You could really see that in the documentary and, and it was fascinating to learn, um, about the culture and, about how he was able to break through that. Some parents have a hard time saying no to their children. Actor Mark Paul Gosler and his wife Kat are firmly united in letting their children know what's expected. They have no trouble saying no. Their kids have rules. I want you to know this is like the safest place to just talk about parenting style. There's no judgment. It's what we do. It's whatever works for our family. And I feel like I have like expectations, but I I allow a voice and I think it's a balance, but I, I definitely think that there is this helicopter parenting that's happening in our world. And this also this kind of frivolous kind of the child can kind of be in control. Um, and I think that it's actually a detriment to our children and it's not judging to any other parent, every person, every child and parent has a different background and different, but I wonder how you come in on parenting styles. I mean, you can be authoritarian, you can be passive. I wonder how are you raising your children? Well, I think if you, compartmentalize it or put it into a graph or on a a chart, we would have a little bit of everything. I feel, I mean, yeah, that's why I talk about that fringe. It's like, we know what we know, but now we live in a different world, you know? And so it's, you know, it's tough that way. So I think we have the same thing. We have expectations um, about their behavior and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And in a restaurant, how we're going to act and that kind of thing. So that's what I would say is strict compared to other families who just, you know, it's a, you know, 
It's, like gong, it's a gong show. We have friends who never say no to their kids. Right. Uh, we definitely I do that. too. Uh-huh. We, we definitely say no to our kids. Yes. And it's okay. And <laughs> <laughs> we definitely say no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we, we, we look at it this way. Um, our children are, uh, they're, they're, they are their own little people. Um, but in our house, we are the, the, the center. We're the core. My, uh, Catriona and I are at the center of this household. And when th- they're, they're living in our, we're not living in their house. <laughs> right. We're not living in their environment. They're living in our environment. Now, they're allowed to say things. We would never tell them to shut their mouths or you don't, you don't get a say in this. But we also have to do what we think is right for them. And they have to trust us that we're making these decisions on their best behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has to be this sort of thing, like, and I talk about this with my parents, is that I, I did trust them. And if they said, don't cross that street, I would say, okay. I have to trust you. You know better than 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 me of why I can't cross that street. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of parenting styles. It just doesn't work for us, but I see a lot of parenting styles where they'll say they'll explain it for everyone. Yes. Or like it's and a negotiation. It's like or, a negotiation, yeah. or make sure that you get that thing that you want. Um, that just doesn't yes. work for us. It, 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 there's there's now listen. We do bribe our kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's certain small things, things, but yeah. for the most part, yeah. I mean, the majority of the time, there we we definitely expect our kids to trust us and to listen to us and you know um, follow in with with how we're we're living our lives. Yeah, well, how um, we're gonna you know we're, we're disciplined, and I would I, it would be weird for yeah, us to, to not yeah. have kids that weren't uh, disciplined. Like we like to wake up at a certain time. It'd be weird to have kids that just wake up whenever they wanted to and you know, have their rooms be a mess for no apparent reason. I mean, it's fine to make a mess of your room, but clean it up. Now it's time to clean up. And we make, a, 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 you know, a thing of cleaning up your rooms and, 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 and whatnot. But it wouldn't, it would be weird for us to like, well, that's your room. You can do whatever you want. And, you know, you want to paint on the walls or you want to, you want to, you know, uh, never clean your bathroom or, you know, and I'm talking about the older kids as well. Um, you know, we, we have expectations. We, we have expectations. That's what we always say. Yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting because that's very far away from your character, Mr. In Mixed Dish. <laughs> Where, yeah, 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 totally. That's why it's hilarious. Which which is, you know, which is interesting to me. It is hilarious. And which is interesting to me because there is this part of me, before I was a journalist, I was a teacher. So I'm very much into like the child's voice and hearing them, but with the parameter of the expectation. And so... How do you let your kids really be who they are in their core, their voice within the expectations? Because your character wants them to be, be who they are supposed to be, right? On right. Mixed Dish. So right. talk about, that. that is a balance. Allowing a child, you know, instead of the helicoptering that is, you must be this way, you must do this, you must do this, you must become this. How do you allow that person to evolve to be who they are supposed to be? The only thing I can say is that we 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 have expectations, but we're not rigid. Yeah, we expose them to a lot of things. So it's, it's not a, we're, we're fluid yeah. in, in different right, environments so or different situations. It's not like you know, my parents used to say this. Uh, uh, 
you know, it's it's my way or no way, or you know, it's like it, it, well, my way or the highway, my way or the highway, <laughs> my way or the highway. Uh, right. You know, uh, don't ask, don't ask why, because uh, I, because I, I, I said why, you know, it's like I, I said so, so that's you know the, the way it's got to be. Um, we would never say that. I mean, we we always say this, and you always say this. If you know better, you do better. Um, we we. We helicopter it sometimes. Yeah. We've well, lawnmowered it sometimes. Because of their age, too. I mean, it's like parenting at different ages is a different thing. True. It's hard not at six and five not to be on them like, okay, this is what we're doing, you know. But I think it's right. how we live our lives. We're not we're not so rigid that we can't adopt other uh, thoughts or other um, um, yep. methods of, 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 of parenting or living our lives. Dr. Gail Dines is the foremost expert on pornography and its effects on our children. According to Dr. Dines, once your kids have cell phones, it's too late to protect them from porn sites. It's all out there and available. She offers some sound advice for parents. Pornhub's latest statistics is they went from 33 billion visits in 2018 to 42 billion visits. They increased that much in one year. So you, this is now a global issue. This isn't just in the United States. This is a global, it's a, it's a crisis. Basically, we call pornography the public health crisis of the digital age. And at Culture Reframed, we build programs to help parents build resilience and resistance in their kids to porn. Because at the moment, no politician or anyone is willing to take this global industry on that is above ground, that interfaces with global capitalist organizations like venture capitalists, banks, credit cards. They're just basically allowing the porn industry to lay waste to our kids and the impact is going to be told because when you lay waste to boys, you lay waste to girls. And when you lay waste to boys and to girls, you basically lay waste to the culture. And Gail, you know, I've got two boys, 11 and 12 years old, and they don't have a smartphone. And we know kids, their friends who have been exposed to porn. And it's like, what do you do? You're you're a parent and you're supposed to have this regular sex talk. But really, this is now a, the porn talk. And you have to have it is what you're saying at Culture Reframed. Absolutely. And you have to start early. And we have two programs now. And the first one that is online at this moment is for parents of tweens. That's around nine to 12, where we actually teach parents how to build resilience and resistance, how to have these bold conversations with their kids about porn. Um, In a month, our program for parents of teens will be going online, which does the same thing about how to build resilience and resistance in teens. And it's not one conversation. You don't have one porn conversation. It's got to be ongoing. And you've also got to be very careful how you do it. We even set the stage in um, Culture Reframe to show you how to do the conversation. Because remember, your kid would rather be anywhere in the world than talking to you about pornography. Right, right. So you have to be very careful how you do it. We suggest, like, for example, with boys, especially you do it in places like the car, so you're not looking eye to eye when you are biking or hiking or something where they're not looking you in the face. We also script out conversations. And the reason we script them out is when I was in L.A., I was at a school and I was talking to parents and I said, you know, we're about to go live with our uh, Parents of Tweens program and we're going to have bulleted out conversation points for you with your kids. And literally they all jumped out of their chair and they said, don't bullet them. 
write them down. Tell us what to say. Word for word, we don't know what to do. I mean, parents feel overwhelmed. They really do. And the real problem is when the kid eventually gets a cell phone. Because if you thought you had any power prior to that, that's when you lose it all. And you basically hand the culture over to your kid, which is actually, as a parent, your job. Your job is to socialize your kid into the culture so that when you're not around, your kid can manage the culture, survive and become a flourishing adult. What do I do? I've got my kid who says, I'm going to be in middle school next year. Can I have a phone? What do you say? Well, if you go on the Culture Reframed website, we actually have a phone contract that you and your kid discuss and explain and that you both have to sign. And actually, it's a very much a teachable moment. It's quite long. There's a lot of discussion points. And then we say, you know, your kid will break that contract. There's no question. That's that's the job description of a kid. But we say, don't take the phone away. Use it as a teachable moment to revisit the contract. And don't see your kid as someone to be battling. The truth is your kid is the target of the porn industry. You as a parent have had your capacity to parent be completely reduced by the porn industry. So you really have to think of yourself as both partnering and parenting your kid against the porn industry. And you have to do this in a way that is non-authoritarian, that you understand that the kid is in an impossible situation because all their friends are looking at this. So one of the things I would say is, first of all, go to the Culture Reframed website, pull on all of our resources that are up there, which, and the program, by the way, took a year and a half to build. And it was built by pediatricians, adolescent psychologists, sex educators, health educators, teachers. It was a multidisciplinary program specifically geared towards parents I would say go on there and I would also say that you must insist that the school starts talking about this because your kid exists in a peer group usually they're friends within school and they cannot leave it up to individual parents to deal with what is a public health issue it's like saying to an individual parent your kid shouldn't be breathing polluted air you go and deal with it. It's ridiculous. You can't. You need to have a community around you supporting you. And the school is the obvious place to have a community. Actor Chris Noth was a bit of a wild child, but he's strict with his own son. He carefully watches for social media intruding on his young life. What we're trying to get him to do right now is to read without it being homework but actually going to a book because it's something you want to do instead of something you're assigned to do he goes to the basketball court without being told and all that or goes to his computer and all that but i um, uh, we really want him to be able to go to a start opening a book on his own volition you know and that's the task at hand right now. But, I mean, he does all his schoolwork and all the things that he's assigned to do, and he does it very well. But I want him to be more of a reader because um, it, it opened up my life so much. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it totally did. Wait, but tell me about how you deal with him with technology. Like what's on the Internet, social Uh-oh. media, well, he doesn't all that have, kind of stuff. Don't, he's not allowed social media. You know, he doesn't have a phone. He has an iPad. And he's he's allowed to a certain extent, a certain amount of time. And uh, he's not allowed to go on, you know, he, he's allowed to communicate with his friends and they play, there are certain video games they play. Uh, uh, but uh, 
and we trust him also uh, that he's not able to get on any kind of a, uh, you know, I mean, uh, he's out in the open with it when he's with us. So I know he's not on any weird site or something. I mean, what about you? How do you find it? uh... Yeah, we are very much alike in this because Jackson's 12 and Asher's 11 and neither of them have a phone. Right. And we've gone back and forth with it. And the only thing that I can keep saying to him is, it's my job to protect you. I know what this does to a kid's brain, anxiety, depression, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And I think if parents really knew that this, these were the side effects, they may pull back a little bit more because this research is new and is coming out and it's showing there is a correlation to social media and early phone use to anxiety, depression, and, you know, other issues. I actually, this is interesting for you. If you have time with in between all your reading is we did a podcast called the porn talk is the new sex talk because what kids are seeing on the internet by age 12, a third of kids have already seen porn. Yeah, that's going to be problematic when he gets into the upper school, you know, as they become teenagers and friends talk and, and things like that. We just keep our eyes and ears open. And that's, and you got to talk to your kid about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's also where activities and sports and, you know, if he's got enough homework to do and enough chores to do and things like that, he's not going to have time for that. And if he's, And he wants to keep his game up. So that's part of our job. And part of it, though, is getting, hopefully, they're in an environment. But you can't overprotect your kid. I mean, God, I mean, I say that. And yet, I, you know, I've said to Tara, it's like, I certainly wouldn't want my kid going. (laughs) I wouldn't want him to, like, have have the kind of shit I did. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so in a way, he is protected. But it's, uh, there's just a lot more stuff out there. Right. I mean, it feels that way. A lot. lot. I mean, I understand it. I have Instagram and every once in a while, I like to put a photo out there with friends and stuff like that, you know, or whatever, because I have a fan base, I guess. But I I don't do I don't Twitter. I don't do Facebook or any of that. I mean, you got to just really keep it controlled and not fall into the, the useless trap of going over and over to see how many hits you have or whatever. Um, I, oh, yeah. It's addictive. It's like gambling. Yes. Exactly. And uh, the way to pull out of it is, is I think, um, everything else we talked about, reading and and um, uh, challenging yourself intellectually and physically. It's it's uh, it's now I'm my challenge to myself now is to do more meditation, which uh, is can be helpful in times like these. Oh, I love that. We we do meditation. Do does Orion meditate as well? They won't meditate with me. But but you do do you do it daily? I try, you know. That's I have a app. It's a wonderful app called Headspace. And, oh yeah. And he's uh, the guy that guides me through it. Is brilliant, and uh, it's 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 slow going going, but he's also so profoundly simple and wise that it's helpful for me to have the the particular guy in the app who guides you through the meditation. Um, it's been a big help to me. Yeah, that's really cool. It helps me too. And I try to get my boys on it and they do do it, but not for a long period of time. I feel like you are a really in tune dad. I mean, 
And I feel like the evolution of, of fatherhood has, has changed. I mean, just from when my dad, when I, you know, my, our parents to now dads are so much more a part of yeah. the shaping of the child and of the family way more than in prior yeah. generations. I think though society, think about it. I grew up in a cloud of smoke. They were smoking when they woke up, when they went to bed, drink. I mean, at least my family was and all their friends. It was, it was, uh, it was a bit of benign ignorance. Um, and then finally not so much ignorance cause they probably knew that they shouldn't be, but, um, you know, well, the whole phrase of children should be seen and not heard that whole yeah. kind of thing um, there was a lot of it was just a different time I really enjoyed sharing this great advice from season one now it's on to season two thanks for listening to kids under construction this is the place to come for sane advice in a crazy world for kids and parents you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Donna Tatro be sure to download, subscribe, and listen. Let's keep building healthy, happy kids. See you soon. The Kids Under Construction podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.